this episode, we're going to give you an idea of what to expect if you're planning to buy in 2024. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to move it along and become homeowners. But most importantly, it is for home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mum. And that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 45 years experience to share with you and bucket loads of stories and avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure you get unbiased and real information you can rely on. We've got loads of free tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll get access to our free webinar, How to Buy Your First Home with the Right Amount of Debt. You'll also find the holy grail of home buying education, Your First Home Buyer Guide, the online course of people who want to be educated home buyers. We have created this for you to help you get on the right path to home ownership for your first home and beyond. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field who takes the time to understand your personal situation. We've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change rapidly. So always check with the relevant government authority or your trusted advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today, we're talking about what to expect in the property market next year. We're going to give you practical tips for getting yourself ready to buy in 2024. But before we do that, what is your special house this week, Megan? It doesn't seem to be the right I'm going season there tomorrow. for us. I'm going there tomorrow because <laughs> it's 33 degrees in, degrees, degrees in Brisbane today. And here is the tree house in Norway, which looks lovely and cool and Cozy. just absolutely gorgeous. So again, from the Airbnb OMG category, which I am quite addicted to at the moment, um, I feel like I'm traveling vicariously through Airbnb, but uh, I think it just looks beautiful. It absolutely does. I think we should be sending them our episodes and saying, look, we've been promoting you. How about you (laughs) throw us a few dollars? All right. (laughs) So, well, what is the market going to do? Veronica, first and foremost, we will say we do not have a crystal ball. We do not predict the property market. We are not forecasters. We're not economists. What we do want to tell you is what we're seeing in terms of behaviour. Yep. And might we just say too that forecasters and economists get it wrong way more than they get it right anyway. So even mm-hmm. if we were, we'd be we'd be treading dangerously if we were to predict <laughs> what's going to happen. We'd be deleting our episodes where we forecast. We would. We'd be going, right, let's get rid of that one. But I think what we can all agree that 2023 surprised most people, yeah. right, because interest rates continued to rise and so did prices. And that was predicted by a hell of a lot of experts um, to not happen, and yet it did. Because and these things usually don't go hand in hand. Well, this is the thing. It's, it seems yeah. logical that they do, but they actually don't. And there's no actual correlation between interest rates and prices. But um, it, despite, you know, lots and lots and lots and lots, lots of people saying that there were. And the reality too, if you look back even just to the COVID, through the COVID mm. years, 2020 mm. surprised everybody. 2021 surprised everybody. 22 didn't surprise everybody because we we're all expecting prices to go down a bit. And 23 did surprise everybody. So that's one out of four years was no surprise. So therefore, looking forward to 2024, all I can say is, 
be prepared to be surprised. <laughs> I think just about anyone who calls themselves a forecaster or an analyst um, who predicts something that might happen in the future could probably in one of those four years say they got it right. There's a chance in one of those four years they might have got it right, but I'll bet there are very few who could have got it right four times in a row. Yeah. In fact, you're absolutely right because, you know, I do co-author a report called the Fuller Forecaster Report and, you know, we've been doing that for five years and nobody's got it right all five years. Some people have got it right too, you know, but nobody's got it right five. So, but there is a, a bunch of key things, obviously, that we need to consider in the property market and probably top of the list, let's hit interest rates. And I guess the big question is, are they going to go up, down or both? <laughs> they could do both. Yeah. And and look, we've just had the interest rate decision for December, December 2023, and that was to hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think a bunch of people thought they'd go up, a bunch of people thought they'd hold, and I don't think I heard anyone predicting they'd go down. So No, but there was, it was apparently only 5% um, probability that the odds are 5% that was going to go up. So therefore, the majority seemed to to hold that to it think was that gonna was the hold. way it was going to go. And of course, the next decision, we don't have one in January. Correct. So we won't know really what's going to happen in February. And if you did listen to the Michelle Bullock's uh speech um yeah. she did talk about you know waiting and seeing and and watching what happens with inflation all the rest of it but you know what regardless i think the important thing to understand is that if you're thinking the interest rates going up or down or sideways or whatever is going to be the reason that you do buy or don't buy our advice is you just have to deal with the realities of what's happening you can't have that dictate what you do. A lot of people at the beginning of the interest rate rises would have waited, but then they hadn't anticipated that each rise uh, reduces uh, or basically results in a fall in their borrowing capacity. Mm. And that has critical, really terrible impact on some buyers because it meant that basically their capacity was falling faster than prices were falling. That's in 2022. And so then we've had a return to prices rising in 2023. So if you're sort of you're being tossed around and you're being reactive to interest rates, then you really just have to pin your ears back and do what's right for you in terms of buying a property, not be waiting or otherwise because of uh, interest rates. Yeah, and, and it, it, it I guess it also brings to mind the importance of buffers and having um, that little war chest of, of additional money to cover things and to cover those expected or unexpected um, situations, whether it be maintenance or interest rate rises. Um, you know, there was a bunch of people back in 2020 who, you know, interest rates were really low and people pushed themselves to their absolute borrowing capacity and didn't really understand that the interest rates could rise as rapidly as they did. And they hadn't really put enough away to cope with those kinds of rises for an extended period of time. So whilst we haven't seen a huge amount of mortgage absolute distress, there are a number of people now who are thinking, wow, I really hadn't thought about what would happen if interest rates went up by 3%. So that's the important thing is not so much to say, oh, I might wait until interest rates stop rising. It's to actually go into that lending environment, into that property purchasing decision going, okay, if interest rates continue to rise and it's another 3%, have I got the financial capacity to pay my mortgage and to not feel like I'm absolutely stretched beyond my um, mental c- capacity 
and emotional capacity to retain this house. So the decision necess- isn't necessarily don't do it. It's to actually make sure that your buffer or your capability to pay will allow for more rate rises. And then you can sit in a really mo- much more comfortable position. It's also, the simple fact is that you can fix rates and with the advice of your broker, of course, certainly not with our advice, you can yeah. fix rates, but you can't fix rates if you don't have a mortgage. So, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're waiting to buy Good and you're point, going, well made. Yeah, you can't <laughs> fix them, you know. And so some people, in fact, I was talking to somebody the other day who actually fixed until 2026. Could you imagine? Oh my God, they must be so happy with themselves. That was wow. before rates started going up. I mean, oh my God. Oh, you know, even I, when it went up, you know, the first couple of times to have, a number of people were still on fixed rates, so it wasn't actually, you know, within their means to to do anything about those fixed, mm. refixing again. Um, but you're right, you know, if you don't have the mortgage, you can't fix the rate. Exactly right. So that's another reason to, you know, if you're ready, not delay is all I can say. So you be, as Megan said, but buffers are very important. You've also got some experts talking about a cut to interest rates sometime in 2024 and this could spark buyer demand so once again we're not saying rates are going to go up or they're going to go down i think by balanced probabilities probably do both at different times (laughs) but each of those things does have an impact which is not necessarily going to um play into your into your uh your court right so you, you just have to make your own decisions based on your own circumstances being aware and being sensible about it now Obviously, there's a seasonality around the property market as well. And so here we are in December. I'm not quite sure when it's going to go to air. It might go to air very, very early January. No, it's actually the end of December. This is going to air in the very mm. end of December. So if that's ha- I hope you've had a lovely Christmas. <laughs> so, and this is where, so this time of year, Veronica, the reason that we do this podcast this time of year is the rush of Christmas is over and and everyone sort of had their their fill and they're sitting back often and, and starting to have a conversation with each other and say, gee, you know, we really, we we thought we might start thinking about buying a house this year, but really, you know, let's knuckle down and do it. Let's actually get ourselves in a position, both financially and from an education position, to do this seriously this year. Because if you look back and you've been saying this for the last four years, what you can buy now for the same money that you could have bought something for back then if you if you've delayed your decision for whatever reason um is vastly different so if you delay it again if you if you're sitting here in 2025 say oh geez you know we, we said we'd do it this year and we didn't and things got busy well you know maybe it's time to make it a priority talk to each other now and start preparing because now is the quiet time this is the prep time it's the perfect time most yeah. agents are on holidays during january yeah, it is like quiet town in Brisbane in in the property market in in Brisbane. I imagine Sydney's possibly quite similar. You just 100%. don't see those new listings come on. Well, I love this time. Well, yeah, this time of year because basically it's the only time when literally you can't buy anything. <laughs> you know, it, it's just like it, nothing's happening. Christmas to it, about the twentieth of January. It's a full. Well, it does start back a little bit earlier in Sydney. In fact, um, this year agents are saying that they're going to be you know, starting campaigns on the 15th of January. So they're, they're talking about quite a bit of stock on. So, so you know, and look, we'll get to a lack of stock in a minute because that's what we want to talk about as well to expect. But but certainly now in this lull and a couple of weeks around Christmas, New Year's, that is a great time. That is a time when a lot of people do reflect and sit back. They've got time to think about mm. what they really want to do in the coming year. And that is why often the beginning of the year is quite busy in a property sense. 
And so, you know, we encourage you to take this opportunity to take your time and, and skill yourself up and get yourself ready to buy in an educational sense. And, and obviously, we're going to recommend you do our course, right? Because this is the time to do it. The rest of the year, you get so busy. And if you get that foundational knowledge in place, you're going to make better decisions as and you get to that And you're going to, to beat point. the rest of the market who aren't ready. And exactly I guess that's right. the key, isn't it? Because whilst you might be lamenting the fact that there's not a huge amount of property to choose from in this quiet period, this is the perfect time to actually get yourself to ar- self-armed and ready to hit the ground running as soon as those properties become available. Because anyone who's not doing this preparation now, they're going to be behind the eight ball. They're not going to be ready to move. So there, there is a small window of opportunity where you might actually have less competition because people just aren't ready. And if you're ready, you're in a powerful position. Yeah, absolutely. And look, there certainly was, was said earlier that, or we both said earlier that most of January is pretty, pretty dead. Um, as I said, there's talk that the middle of January things are going to ramp up. Typically, you'll see more stock coming on at the same coincide with back to school. That's typically what you will see because, of course, people who want to sell their property, they want to maximise their exposure to the greater market. But there are there are going to be people who have bought in the end of 2023 who will want to sell earlier than that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not all done and dusted. It's definitely well worth being very alert and very on top of it. But generally speaking, there has been an ongoing problem with lack of stock uh, and certainly um, that was really tightened up in 2022 and it has eased at the very end of 2023. But that said, we always find the good stock is in short supply. So don't be anticipating much of a real meaningful change here because it's a, it's a thing that we hear from buyers all the time, but there's nothing you know, really to look at. And we hear that in times of lots of stock and in times of low stock. Yeah. <laughs> Just because there's volume doesn't mean there's quality. Mm. And, and I think that's a, a good point that you make there, Veronica, because just if you see a, 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 a large number of new listings come on and you think, oh, there's so much more to see, but you eliminate the things that either don't match outside your price range or are just such quite low quality or have too many compromise, the wrong sets of compromises, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that gives you more to choose from. Yeah. It's a harsh reality, but very true. One one thing that we have seen through this this year, and in fact, um, you know, what you typically do see this when prices are rising, is that unrenovated homes sure. become well. Actually, when prices are rising, unrenovated homes become really popular because that's the way buyers think that it's the only way they're going to get into the market. I'm going to have to buy to renovate. It's the only way I can get in. But actually, because we've had rising um, building costs and also a shortage of trades. Unrenovated homes are becoming less popular. So if you're a bit handy or if you've got a trade yourself or if you're from a family of trades, this actually could be an opportunity. And understanding that, that at the moment, these ones are a little bit less in demand and so you might be able to to get a bit more of a bargain uh, if you're prepared and capable of renovating. Just don't assume that it's... Don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't watch the block and think it's easy. Yeah, let, let's be, you know, cut to the chase here. Renovating a property isn't just about doing a coat of paint and um, and changing the floor coverings. It's, it's much, it, you know, if you think you're going to flip something and make a, a great profit out of it, then you, you, you've got to be sadly and, and sorely mistaken. But if this is, you know, something that actually enables you to get into a, a slightly better street, a slightly better position, a slightly better floor plan, 
and you can tweak things and add things over time and your finances allow for you to to do that because remember you can't necessarily borrow the money to do this unless you're construction loan you, you actually have to have the funds to do renovations um but it can be an opportunity and and, and i think the important thing if you're going to go into a renovation is to understand building costs what what it's actually going to cost you and to be very very careful in your planning that what you're doing is going to add value to the property and be a very attractive proposition for the person that you're going to sell it to in the future because remember capital growth comes from the future buyer of your property so if you're doing a renovation that's very unique and and specialized to you but you have plans to sell that property in a three, five, seven-year time frame, you might have actually sunk some money into something that you shouldn't have in the wrong areas. So, so certainly get some advice and input and find out what people do like um, so that you're, you're putting your renovation dollars in the right place. 100%. Now, there also is to be expected that we're going to have a continued housing shortage across the board, particularly yeah. because of immigration um, being so high. And that's not looking like it's going to slow down. And that's particularly felt in the major capitals. And and that where that impacts first home buyers is because a lot of those immigrants are actually buying because they can't find somewhere to rent. Now, they may not be buying the same sorts of properties that you would be buying. You know, a lot of people come from countries where it's really, really normal to live in an apartment for argument's sake. So therefore, you know, for them to go buying in high-rise apartments is no big deal. And you know that we're not going to encourage you to buy in high-rises. It's very unusual that we'd see a high-rise that we would encourage a first-home buyer to buy into. So they're not necessarily going to be buying the same sort of property, but it is it is to be um, understood, though, that this continued higher rate of immigration, coupled with the fact that we do have a rental pr- shortage, as is well-publicised, means that we do have... Um, continued upward pressure on housing or downward pre- upward <laughs> just pressure <laughs> continued pressure on the housing market and you know experts are saying that the rental shortage could take 10 years to fix yeah veronica this has been um like the storm of bad policy of you know a bit of covid in there uh yeah but what what's happened with this this rental shortage and and i'm yeah, very, very invested in this space, is we're not seeing private investment at the levels that we have in the past. And we'll start to see some figures roll through. Um, investors are selling their properties. Uh, there's been a, a lot of legislative um, meetings around changes and actual changes that, um, while it's really good for tenants and very supportive of the tenant situation, haven't necessarily been supportive of the landlord situation. And and in that, for those reasons, um, some landlords, private landlords, have just sold their properties. Now, the good thing is often those kind of properties are quite attractive to first-home buyers. They often land in that kind of price range. So it, it adds, you know, when investors sell, it does add a little bit to the potential first-home buyer market in the established property market. We are not talking new we're not talking off plan we're not talking about you know anything that an incentive or a grant is uh is is out there to do which is increased stock and and supply a little bit of green shoots is is starting to be seen in the rental market in some areas um and i am starting to hear property managers say they're seeing less 
applications for rental properties at the moment than they have in a long time. And in the last few years, December and January um, have been very, very strong for, for rental applications. Um, if that's starting to back off a little bit, then that tells us that either people are staying put for a lot longer um, and they're just choosing not to move or a little bit more, there's a little bit less demand on on rental markets. So it's an interesting, it's just, a, I don't know if it's a blip in um, demand at the moment just because of Christmas, people are staying put, not necessarily moving around. Um, but there has been a slight lessening of the number of applications on rental properties and that's um, coming from a variety of different locations, not just Brisbane. Yeah, it's definitely not the situation in, in Sydney. It's hot, hot, hot here. There's a massive, um, short, huge shortage. So, so these are all pressures that first home buyers need to just be aware of. And of course, you're probably acutely aware of it because you're probably in the rental market right at the moment. Um, but what it does, that you know, there are, as Megan said, uh, investors have been selling up in quite high proportions as well. So that does bring out some stock for first home buyers. There's no doubt about that. But it also does make it difficult if you are a first home buyer and you're, and you're saving because your rents have been going up. So yeah. it's just but just being aware that there's this is whilst the rate of rental increase, you know, it's sort of there's got to be a lid on it because there are affordability pressures in the rental side of things that don't apply in the same way in the property price as in property value side of things. Um, it is still it is still a, a pretty dire situation, obviously, and we're not seeing a real light at the end of the tunnel on that one. Now, and one of the things that, you know, we said at the head of this that we're very careful not to predict uh, property prices, not even really direction, to be quite frank. Um, you know, very nervous about that. But at this stage, very cautiously saying this, the signs are pointing at continued price growth it doesn't have to be rapid price price growth, but just you know some modest price growth in most cities. But there's been quite a lot of data saying that regional price or showing that regional prices have actually started to soften and in some areas are falling due to that sort of U-turn of the sea and tree changer yeah. that is um, either having to return to the office and then therefore return to to a city or realizing that the regional lifestyle is not necessarily for them. So for whatever reason that U-turn is happening, it is is documented now. And, and you know, it could be good news for you if you're wanting to buy into a regional area, but it's also something to be wary of. You want to make sure that if ever you are buying into a, an area that might have been a bit overheated at some point, you want to be careful, obviously, in your timing your there. Pricing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that may present opportunity. Um, it may present... Uh, a, an opportunity to look at in an area that you hadn't, you know, we, we did an episode, I can't remember what number it was, but we did a virtual road trip uh, mm. with some students who talked about not actually being fixated in one location. They could really live anywhere because of their situation. And so we did we did an episode on doing a, a virtual road trip. Um, now, as Veronica says, what you've got to be really careful in your pricing in markets that have turned or are softening um, is that you're, you're really acutely aware of what the market conditions are and which way to adjust your pricing when you're doing comparable sales analysis. Now, anyone who's done the free course knows what I'm talking about, the free mini course. If you haven't, get out and do it. It doesn't cost you anything. It arms you with information. You understand what we're talking about and what agents are talking about. And um, it's on our website. Just, just, just home borrow yeah, Just go and do it. 
forward slash dot com dot forward slash free course, right? So it's there, <laughs> there. Uh, is, but you, the, we talk about the X factor or understanding market conditions in that course, and you've got to be really, really cautious. Um, whether it's in a rising market and you adjust up, or if it's in a softening market, you need to adjust down. But you can't adjust too far in one direction or the other because things can change as well. They can. And look, the thing too is a regional property can be a bit harder to price than, say, property in the suburbs or, you know, in a more urban area. So, you know, obviously we understand that. The other thing too that I've always recommended people rent if they're going to go and move to an area they're not familiar with. Now, if you're already familiar with the area, you don't, you're probably already renting or perhaps you're living with family. Um, but certainly that's been a problem with a rental shortage across the country it's been really hard for people to rent before they buy. So they can't try the area before they buy, which could be one of the reasons why we've seen this U-turn. Whereas they, if they had been able to rent first, some people would have realized it's not for them. And instead of committing to the area and to a property. So just these are the things to be very mindful of if you are going to go and buy in any area that's different to what you're used to. Yeah. It it doesn't have to be regional there. It could be going into another city. Another suburb. yeah, yeah. even another suburb. For yes. <laughs> well, another part of the city, shall we say? There, but you've, no, you've certainly a good idea to immerse yourself if you're looking in a different suburb. That's exactly right. Spend a lot of time. Now, obviously, there's going to be sort of more um, government initiatives. There's always stuff being rolled out. The Queensland government recently doubled the uh, incentive for first home buyers they who do, buy brand new, of course. What yeah. do we think about that, Megan? Well, I think the thing we always like to remind people of is that. Sometimes and many of these grants and incentives are really there. In some cases, it was to stimulate the economy. So that's what we saw post-COVID. In this case, it's to increase supply. So what what will happen in these, uh, with these schemes is there will be an upper limit. And in a lot of cases, there are income limits, income test limits for singles and, and couples. Um so it's really important to understand that these schemes are not there to help first home buyers get into the property market. They are there to increase the supply, to take pressure off the rental crisis and and also the, the uh, upward pressure on prices. What we want to caution you about, and um, we've done many episodes on this and we, we talk about it ad nauseum in the course, is we want to make sure that you're making the right property decision for you, not limiting yourself or targeting specific types of properties in order to get a grant or incentive. So you really need to step away and say, now, if you have the capacity to borrow $800,000 and get a really good quality asset, but you want to get a $30,000 incentive from the government, so you limit yourself to $650,000, then you, you potentially pigeonholing yourself into a situation where you could be stuck in that property potentially with negative equity until the market actually takes it up above what you paid for it. Yeah. So your your price might go back before it goes forward versus being in something that actually could have had capital growth, compounding capital growth, had you bought a better asset, but gone without the incentive or the grant. It's a hard thing to get your head around because it feels like free money. But the, if it actually costs you in terms of the value of your property, then it is a false economy. And, you, and as Megan said, you've got to think about why is the government putting this forward? 
Um, and you know, and often they they often it's unveiled, like they they're not even pretending that it's not to stimulate construction. Um, so so the very fact that they're even saying anything, oh, okay, now I get what the purpose of this is, yeah. and I'm just a little guy, and I'm going to be used to help, you know, stimulate a whole industry to create more homes. And yes, we need more homes, but we don't want our listeners being the guinea pigs for this stuff and being the fuel for the fire, so to speak. Another area of government assistance, and I'm going to quote from a report that Domain put out, um, which is sort of interesting, interesting sort of um, uh, bent on this. It said the flight to affordability for first home buyers will be ignited by the federal government's help to buy. And that is a shared equity scheme of up to 40% of a home. It's a four-year program likely to commence in 2024. Access will be restricted to residents in states that have enacted legislation endorsing the program and all have agreed to pass legislation, which should happen early next year. Now, this is actually, we don't know enough of the detail of it yet, but on the surface, a shared equity scheme is not a bad idea for a first-home buyer to consider. And so you've got to ch- look where, where it suits your requirements, but this is basically where you are able to get into a, a, a bigger home and therefore not have to trade up so often or potentially get into a home because you've saved some money but not enough. So so there's a number of, of uh, people that this could help and so yeah. keep an eye out for that because that's something that's going to become out in 2024 and I think is really important for first-home buyers Um to be aware of how government is trying to help and and which of these initiatives really help first home buyers versus help other segments of our economy. Another thing that has been a government response to our housing um, crisis or our housing shortage sure. is um, some quite extensive rezoning. Now, certainly in in Sydney, we've seen the the state government has been very active on this front. I'm I'm not sure about other other cities in an intimate sense, but I do know that pressure is on uh, state governments across the board, but also obviously local councils to rezone certain areas for higher density. And, you know, as, as governments are responding to the housing crisis, this is going to lead to more apartments and more townhouses being built, which is going to be great to have more stock, but it is a danger zone for first home buyers. And so we want you just to be very careful about looking to that as being your silver bullet because where there's lots and lots of stock and uh, and also being very quickly built and very little uh, scarcity, then that is something to be very wary of as a first home buyer by getting sort of stuck in, with a poor asset that isn't going to grow in value very, very much. Yeah, and, and we, we you, know, you and I were talking about this earlier today, Veronica. One of the challenges for off-plan or brand-new where they're in the zone for an incentive or a grant is you and your um, uh, cohort of of similar first-home buyers who can access these grants. You're the buyer for the brand-new product, but you've got to really think about who is going to be the buyer from you because that property will no longer qualify for the grant, so therefore first-home buyers are going to look to something else if, if they're seeking something that will qualify them for a grant. Mm. Um, investors won't like them because investors, but you know, they don't get as quality. much depreciation. Yeah. You know, yeah. so unwise so investors. About, yeah. Who, who is the potential person who's going to buy this from you when you're ready to move on? Yeah. 
And, you know, it's interesting. I was watching an article uh, or a story on, I think it was ABC News the other night, about the shortage of three-bedroom apartments. We've been talking about that for a long time, yeah. about how there's this glut of two bedrooms. Okay. Um, but families want to live in three bedrooms, let's yeah. face it. So, so and developers, it hasn't been really profitable for them to build lots and lots of three-bedroom apartments, and so they haven't. So... This is a problem, you know, because if you if we started to see some supplies three bedroom apartments, maybe our view would change a bit. But at the moment, the way the mix typically is, we would just advise you to be very cautious about yeah. getting all excited about the heaps of new uh, stock being built through this rezoning. So a couple of cautions, I guess. So so look, as as we head into the new year, what we want to encourage you, and uh, you know, encourage you not. To put your plans on hold, trying to wait and see what's happening with the market. Absolutely. It's really important for you to be clear about what you want to do in your life, your big dreams. And if your big dream is to buy a home, you need to be focused on that and not think that you are bigger than the market and able to wait out or ride out any storms because at the end of the day, the market will do what the market does and, and none of us are big enough to have any impact on it. We just have to <laughs> head down, bum up and do what we need to do to, uh, to find the best home for our first home and get it yeah don't sit back and say let's wait and see what the market does i think that's the key message here if you are if this is your goal for 2024 if you're still saving your deposit look at all the options that are available to you get yourself get your team around you and get your mortgage broker to fill you in a really good mortgage broker who understands and works with first time buyers knows all of the ins and outs of all the schemes, the grants, the um, guarantees, the different ways you can do that, parental guarantees, there's all sorts of different things. Go and find out about all of these things, ask lots of questions, and then you can tick or cross any one of these to say, no, that doesn't work for us, but I at least know what it is. Go and get really good, reliable information. This is a fantastic time to get educated and armed, ready to move forward so that when you have got everything financially in the right place, ready to move ahead, you actually can just step out and do it. You don't have to then spend the time going, all right, well, now I have to learn about what to do, when to do it and how to do it. What steps do I take? When do I do? You know, get yourself armed, get yourself educated. And then when you are in the right position financially, you can just move forward. Absolutely. Now, we have interviewed a number of brokers on the podcast and, and we also uh, have a list of our recommended brokers who we know can actually take you through that process. And so this is this is a surprise to many people that can buy a lot sooner than they thought they could. Yeah. And so with the right advice, you can make better decisions along that. So if you're wanting access to our recommended brokers, just shoot us an email at support at homebuyeracademy.com.au. We'll send that through to you. The other thing too is that if you're thinking about educating yourself through this period of time, through the Christmas holidays, take the time, take a bit of time aside to get your head in the right space and understand and learn the process of buying a property properly, then the course only costs $990. And let me tell you, well, when I watch people who do not know how to negotiate properly and I see them give away money, they give away a lot more than 990 bucks. To the, to the agent and to the vendor, and you can save yourself way more than that if you just know what to do in the right order and how to handle things properly. In this episode, we've only touched on a tiny part of the huge amount of things you need to know to become an educated first home buyer. There is so much more for you to do. 
you can learn all of the steps in the right order and avoid all of the mistakes that others have made in our 10-step online course for first-home buyers. If you'd like to learn more about the right process and avoid making rookie errors, become an educated home buyer. Head over to the website, check out your first home buyer guide, the course that we have created for you. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you've liked what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. It helps other people find us. And of course, I know it's a bit cringy, but we're going to ask for five stars. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you've found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with more priceless stuff.